I'm going to dive right into the Word today. I've, I'm come. <laughs> I'm pretty excited and pretty stirred. Uh, I, I I never come with a sermon that I. I'm telling you, when I, when I preach, I'm, I'm, I'm going Godward. I'm going to say, God, what do I need to say? And I really do believe God's been very clear about what I need to say for the people that are on the other side of this camera. I just hope and believe and pray that you just silence all the distractions. Get your family in, or in that room and get your Bibles ready. Get your technology ready to, to track with us and, and to hear this word. Listen, listen, the fridge will still be there later. All the, all the, the laundry will still be there later. All the, 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 the situations and circumstances will be there later later. Let's just go Godward right here in this moment, and let's believe for God to do what only God can do. I really do believe that God's doing miracles in the lives of people that are watching right now. The title of my message is, It Doesn't Have to End This Way. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the circumstances that's going on in your life, but I've just come to tell somebody today that it doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't have to end with the pain. It doesn't have to end with the discouragement. It doesn't have to end with that depression. It doesn't have to end with those losses. I'm here to tell you there is a better tomorrow if you can receive what I'm getting ready to preach. There's a passage of Scripture, a story in the Old Testament that I want to read today. In fact, it's, it's a story I've been reading over and over every week since this pandemic began, and I felt like God was going to use it at some point, and about every time I'd get ready to preach it, God said, no, not yet, not, not, not yet. So, so I believe that this is the moment, and this is the Sunday that we are to release this word. Would you follow along in 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning with verse 1? It says, now it happened when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag. They found that the Amalekites had made a raid on Ziglag, they had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. And they had carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, hear this, they wept until they could not weep no more. And verse 6 says, Now David was in great danger because all of his men were very bitter, very bitter. They're bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they begin to talk of stoning him, but David, hear these words, but David encouraged and strengthened himself, and the Lord is God. Thank God for his word. The power is in the word of God. It shall not return void. Father, we're so grateful, so thankful for this moment we have together. And this service, God, every person that's on the other side of these cameras, everybody watching this through technology, regardless where they're at, God, you, you have tailored fit this message for them. And I'm asking God for you to do powerful things in their life. You know what they need. And I pray, God, answers would be released today through this word. I pray for a great anointing. Hallelujah. I pray for the presence of God to sneak into those homes and into those cars. And God, wherever they're at in the backyard, God, wherever they're at, God, you know how to find them. And I pray that they begin to sense something and feel that you are working on their behalf. God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. So here is David and his men. They're coming back from battle. They've been fighting with their 
their enemy, the Philistines. And the Bible says in the story there, as they get close, they begin to see the smoke billowing up, and it's obvious that something has happened with their home. As they get closer to home, they begin to see the ash and the rubble. Their city has been devastated. Nobody is around. Nobody's there. Their wives are gone. Their children are gone. The livestock is all gone. Everything has been snatched away. Their enemies have taken everything that is of value, and then that which is not of value to them, they have burned the rest of the city all the way into an ash pile. The whole city is in ruins. Everything is gone. It's all gone up in smoke. Now the reality of this painful moment, what has happened in their life, David and his 600 men, realizing what has happened to their wives and their kids, their families, the Bible says that these mighty men, David, begin to cry, begin to, begin to shed tears. And the Bible says that they begin to weep, and they begin to weep, and they begin to weep until they could have no more tears to weep. Have you ever been there where you cried over a situation and you cried over a situation and you cried over a situation? You weeped and you weep until you had no more tears to weep. Hello, 2020. Come on. It's been a crazy year for a lot of us. This has been a year where we have cried over stuff, over devastation, over situations, and we have wept and we have wept and we have wept. So, so what do you do when life has fallen apart, when everything around you is in ruins, when all you have, when all that you have done seems to have gone up in smoke? What, what do you do when you have wept until you have no more tears to, 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 to weep? What, what do you do when you're done crying over the messed up situations that you have faced this year? I've come to help somebody today. Let, let me help you today. In times of crisis, you have two choices. And we actually see it in this story. Here, here they are. There are two choices. You either become bitter or you become better. Oh, yeah. That's your two choices. There's not a third choice. You're just going to either become bitter or you're going to become better. Always in the crisis, you have a decision to make. Do you go bitter with the majority, or do you become the minority, the few, and you go, you go better? Uh, let, let's look at the story here, because there's a majority that really go bitter in, in, in the story. I think it's a picture of so much of what's going on in our world in 2020. What a mess this is, huh? And the majority has gone in the crisis and the devastation. The majority has gone, they've gone bitter. Verse 6 says, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter. Why are they bitter? Because they're bitter over the, the devastation. They're bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And then they begin to talk of stoning him. No, 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 don't, don't, don't get that wrong. They're not saying, hey, let's go have a smoke with David. No, that's, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about throwing something at David. Here is David. 
Wow, in his devastation, he's being betrayed by his own people. I mean, these are David's trusted friends. These were the guys that literally believed in David. These are the relationships that mean the most to David. These were the guys the Bible talks about that at one time were losers in life. They were actually the misfits. They, they, they absolutely had nothing. In fact, the Bible describes these 600 men as being at one time discontented, distressed, and completely in debt. The Bible says also that they were the rejected men because Saul had rejected them. And actually where David found them, he finds them in a cave hiding. He takes them in. And he makes them mighty men. He makes mighty men out of them, some 600. But now they've all experienced devastation. They've all experienced COVID-2020. Wow, and, and now they're, they're bitter. They're bitter because of their grief. And now they want to they wanna stone David. They want to start gathering rocks and stones and they want to gather rocks and stones of hate and stones of judgment and stones of blame and stones of accusation and stones of criticism and stones of negativity. Why? Well, we all know somebody needs to pay for all this mess and all this pain that I'm feeling. Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about it. Just, just a reminder in the story, David didn't do this. He didn't do anything. Question, why are you stoning David? David didn't burn down your city. David didn't kidnap your wife. David didn't kidnap your kids. David did not take your stuff. But can't you hear them? That's how we all do. Yeah, but somebody needs to pay for this. Somebody needs to take responsibility for this. Good question would be, what, what good is it going to be to stone David? He's not even the problem. Well, when I read this and been reading this, I go, wow, what a picture of our world right now. Has anybody felt like this in this crazy season? Like, really? You're, you're mad at me? Really? You're, you're angry at you're, you're what? You're blaming me? For, I didn't start COVID. It's not my fault. Why are you hating on me? Why are you accusing me? Why are you judging me? Why are you giving me those thumbs down? Why are you posting about me? I, one, one thing that I've even seen as a pastor, it's just crazy. Pastor, this is your fault. You, you need to do something. You need to lead better. You need to say something. You need to open up, and you need to, you need to close down. And boy, have I got some some hate and some blame, and if I got some judgments of rocks, and, and yet I think God's people want their pastors to be men of God, and I, I can remember when this all went down, some four o'clock in the morning, just shortly after everything was closed up, God took me into a place of prayer, and he says, son, he says, he says do not let people hijack your voice. Do not be baited by other people's agendas. You are not the voice of people. You are the voice of the kingdom. If I don't tell you to say it, then don't say it. Now, people don't like that when they want you to be their voice, to drive their bias agenda. But can I remind you so many times throughout the scriptures when Jesus was 
walking on the earth and doing ministry. They would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what about this injustice? And, and, and they were trying to hijack his voice. And so many times throughout Scripture, the Bible says of Jesus, and he said not a word. Sometimes it's just best to keep your mouth shut until you hear heaven speak, and then you declare heaven I didn't create the COVID. You didn't create the COVID. Why are people mad at you? Why are they angry at you? Because this is what happens. For so many in a crisis, they have to, they have to start blaming something. They got to blame somebody. I mean, is, a, is that not what is happening in our nation right now? You got you to blame this, and you got to blame that. It's, it's the president. Yes, I, it's the president's fault. It's Trump's fault, right? It's, 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 no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's the Democrats' fault. It's, it's their, they're the reason why we got all of this. Man, no, no, no. It's the Republicans. No, no, it's not the Republicans. It's the doctors. It's the way they're counting it. It's, it's got to be the doctors' fault. They don't know what they're doing. And then we move on, and no, it's our employer. He's just not treating me. He's not treating me right. We, we blame this group, and we blame that group, and and now we're even blaming the cows. Like, like really? The cows? Yeah, really, we are. I, I guess the cows, I, I didn't realize this until lately, that I guess the cows are doing something to destroy our ozone layer. And, and you need to, you, you listen, the next time you drive past a cow, you need to roll down your window and point your finger and say, ah, it's your fault. It's your fault. Apparently, they're emitting methane and other harmful gases that are, that are destroying our environment. I, and they, here's what's crazy. They, they say they do that through burping. And, and then they do that through, I, I don't know if I can say it in church. I can't say the F word, but, but I guess it's, it's a toot. It's, 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 a, it's a bottom burp, I guess. And it's, it's, it's the cow's fault. It's, it's, it's the cow's fault. Can, can I pastor you today? Can I, can I help somebody on the other end of this camera? Blaming is not your answer. Don't get stuck in this season throwing your stones and throwing your rocks, blaming the world for the mess that you see. I mean, come on. Are you really, are we really going to spend the rest of our life being professional stoners? Is that really what we're going to use social media for? Really? Come on, we're better that two two decisions to make you're either going to go bitter or you're going to do what david did david instead of going bitter david became better he went better notice david has experienced the same grief grief he's experiencing the same pain he has the same losses but he doesn't go bitter he's not hateful he's not mad at the world he's not picking up rocks well, why didn't David go bitter like the majority? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. We don't have time to preach about all of them. But, but let me give you the main reason why David went better. The big reason. Here it is. It's my title. David knew that it didn't have to end this way. He, he knew that there was a better tomorrow. He knew that there was hope out of the, the devastation of his life. But he also knew that he would never see it by going bitter. In Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to hear it. Pay attention, lean in. Hebrews 12, 15 says, watch 
out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, bitterness, poison, hurting and destroying many of their spiritual lives. I'm here to tell you bitterness is a deadly virus, more deadly than what we're facing with COVID. So, so, so how did David go better? Let, let me just give you a few thoughts, a few points here. Let, let me show you what David did to go better so that we don't fall into what our human nature really typically wants to do, and that is to just go bitter. Here, here's the first thing that David does. David, number one, he, he encouraged himself in the Lord. In, in verse 6, it says, David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Wow. In other words, David didn't quit on God. David doesn't curse God. David doesn't blame God. David doesn't find fault with God. <laughs> David goes to God. Where, where are you going right now? David goes to God, the only place he has left. So sometimes I think that the crisis, hear me today, church, that the crisis is to remind us that God is all we, all we need. When there was nobody else in David's life, the Bible says David encouraged himself. I'm here to tell somebody today, there comes a time in life where you have, have to where you can't lean on nobody else. Everybody else around you is, 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 is deserted you. They can't help you. I mean, your wife's not there to help. Your husband's not there to help. Your kids aren't there to help. No friends to encourage you. You have to learn in the crisis to encourage yourself in the Lord. Can, can I be honest? You need to quit spending your life feeling sorry for yourself, trying to find somebody to prop you up and to encourage you. And you need to do what David did in your mess. Start encouraging yourself in the Lord. Now, don't miss it. Notice he didn't just encourage himself. He, he, he did it in the Lord. There's no encouragement outside of God. Come on. You can't find that watching more TV. You can't find encouragement watching more news. I mean, really? Be, being on social media more, you're not going to find encouragement there. You won't find it through a, a better career, more money, investments, hobbies. Another vacation's not going to give you the encouragement you need. It's not going to be found in the drugs or, or what you're drinking. It's not going to be found in the porn. Smoking that joint is really not going to help you. You find encouragement in, in the Lord. That's where we get our encouragement. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You, you, can, you can encourage yourself. And the Lord David, who wrote much of the Psalms, he wrote this in Psalms 29, 11. He knew because he practiced it. He says, the Lord will give strength and encouragement to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. In other words, David's saying the source of my peace and the source of my encouragement is not what I'm going to drink in a bottle. It's when I go Godward and I find that there's encouragement from my God, from heaven. Let me give you a practical way of doing that. And I probably don't want to go into all of this. I did this in the first service, and I'm going to kind of tie this one up a little quicker. 
But there's some practical ways that you can do that. How do I encourage myself in the Lord? Well, first of all, you need to remind yourself. Remind yourself of God's promises. You, you need to, number two, remember what God has already done for you. And then number three, rehearse your past victories. I call them the three R's. Remind yourself of God's promises. Remember what God has already done for you. And then the third one is rehearse your past victories. Why, why are these so important? Go read the book of, of, of Psalms. David writes so many of the Psalms. And you see him doing that. You see him reminding himself about God's promises. You see, you see him remembering what his, God has already done in his life. And then you see him rehearsing over and over the past victories in his life. I mean, David is facing devastation. He's lost everything. Their city has been burnt to the ground. But I, 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 I can imagine in that moment, David is rehearsing what God has already done in his life. I know last week in our devotionals, I believe Alfred was teaching on this point. It's such a powerful, powerful point. Listen, when, when you're faced with devastation, Here's how you encourage yourself in the Lord. You begin to rehearse what God has done already in your life. I, I bet David is reminding himself as a teen, teenager out there in the backyard when he had nothing, how a prophet came by and anointed him to be king. I can hear David in this moment when he sees the devastation. He's reminding himself, I am anointed. God found me in that backyard when I had nothing, and I was going nowhere, and he anointed me. I am anointed. God is with me. He's rehearsing it. I'm sure he, he began to think, you know, there was a time that the lion came out to destroy, tried to destroy my sheep, and you know what I did? I, I caught that God's power came on me, and I got that lion by the beard, and I shredded it with my own hands, and then a bear came out, and I did the same thing because of the power of God that came upon my life. God got me out of that mess. God will get me out of this mess. I bet, he's, I bet he's rehearsing about the giant that he's seen on that field that day. And all he's got is a slingshot. And that's all he needed as God gave him victory over that giant that day. I'm sure David is saying, you know what? God delivered me out of the, the poles of the lion and the bear and out of that, that Philistine, that giant. And God will help me out of this devastation in my life. If you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to go back and remind yourself and rehearse the victories that God has given you time and time again. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. Here's the second thing. David inquired of the Lord. I, I don't, be careful that I don't say too much in this because it needs to be so simple. We, we make things so difficult and then we miss them. But, but listen in verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David's not going bitter. He's going better. And the first thing he does is he encourages himself in the Lord. And then the second thing he does, he says, God, I've got a mess, and I need your help. What do I need to do? <laughs> I know it's simple, but have you thought about it? In 2020, have you stopped long enough to say, God, I've got a mess, and I don't know what to do. David inquired of the Lord. Listen, you're going to go bitter if you don't go Godward. And the way you go Godward, listen, is you say, God, I need your help. This is your answer. 
Ask for God's help. Find out what God wants you to do. There's a plan. There, listen, there is a plan that God has to get you out of your devastation. I could just hear somebody saying, yeah, but how do I hear God? And that's the problem. We make it so mystical. Do you have a Bible? Your Bible is God speaking to you. When's the last time you opened your Bible? There's answers there. There's healing there. There's deliverance there. And if you open your Bible, God, on every page, will start speaking to you. In fact, God can speak to you in your spirit. But listen, until you find out what God says in that word, the book, he's probably not going to speak here. You have so many answers. You've got direction. You've got insights into your life if you would just open the book and find out. Inquire. Listen, inquire. God, God, help me. Help me with the way. And God will lead you and direct you into that. Here's the third thing. So David encouraged himself. David inquired. And then the third thing is that David pursued what God said to do. Look at verse 9. So David and the 600 men set out and pursued the Amalekites. I'm going to keep this one simple too. So David cried out to God, God, I need help. And God answered him. Come on. We need to cry out to God. We need to go look for answers. And when you get the answer, it's not enough to hear the answer. you got to pursue what God said to do. In other words, listen, David, I don't need you just to hear the promise. I need you to act on the promise. Listen, David still had to go after it. God told David, pursue them. But David had to get up off his couch and he had to go after the enemy. So many church-going people think that if they've heard the word, they heard the podcast, if, 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 they, if they were there for the sermonette, then all the promises of God are going to happen automatically. You've bumped your head. It doesn't happen that way. You don't get it by hearing. You get it by doing the word of God. In James 1.25, the Bible's very clear. The only people that get Bible results are the doers of the word. The hearers, all they get is frustration. And that's the reason why so many church-going people, the majority of the church are frustrated. Why? We thought if we heard it, then we get it. No, it's the doers of the word. So how do I go better? I encourage myself in the Lord. Come on, inquire of God, and then I, I do. I, I pursue what God says to do. And here, here's the last thing, and Encourage the band to come back and help me close. I want you to really lock in the, this last point. I, I believe it's the most important. Number four, how did David go better? Here it is. David refused to quit. David refused to quit. Look, notice verse 9. So David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Besor, but 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit. David continued the pursuit. David con continued the pursuit, notice, with 400 men. 200 men got tired. So here they are. David's pursuing. David's doing exactly what God said to do. They were going after their enemy. And on their way to battle, to get everything back, David's army ends up collapsing, and 200 of his soldiers, 200 of his mighty men, 200 of his relationships said, David, we're just too exhausted. We're just too, too tired. So when others were quitting on David, the Bible says David 
continued to pursue. David refused to quit. I'm here to tell somebody, you're just going to have to learn how to do it tired. I don't want to be mean or anything, but, but these are your wife, wives and your kids and your stuff. And so I'm trying to put the fight back into somebody today. You're, you're going to have to learn how to do it tired. I wish I could show you Gideon takes 300 men into his battle. God says, okay, Gideon, I want you to pursue. And you know what it was said of Gideon? Because they were the weakest of the weak. They were in battle. And the Bible said of Gideon and his army of 300 that they were exhausted but still in pursuit. <laughs> Do it tired. Come on, if you're going to go better, you're going to have to come to a place like David. I refused to quit. 200 of his guys just, hey, David, I'm sorry. We can't do this. We're just too tired. We're just too exhausted. Man, have I heard that in 2020. Just too tired, Pastor. That's why you need to come back to church. That's why you need to put God first. And he's, the reason why you need to place a priority, because we're going after something. You shouldn't miss these moments. Come on. Come on. We, we, we got people saying we're just, you know, we're, we're pandemic fatigue. Listen, not the church, not God's people. Come on, God's putting strength back into you today. Can, can you imagine David finally getting there? And we understand, we'll read it in a moment, that David actually goes and goes to battle, and wins the battle, and gets the stuff back. Can you imagine when David's coming to some of those wives of those 200 men that quit? Can, can you imagine what those wives must have been saying? Hey, David, D David, where's Johnny? Oh, yeah, your husband? Yeah, well, sorry about Johnny. He got tired. <laughs> Can you imagine the wife saying, hey, he, he got what? Here I am, and here are our kids, and here's our stuff. Here's our future. Here's our destiny, and he what? Well, let me tell you something. David, you go tell him to get off his butt. That, yeah, that's, that's a capital B-U-T. And you tell him to get back in the battle because there's something to fight for. I can just hear it. What's amazing with David is David didn't rebuke these people for quitting. But neither did he stay with them. When they quit, David loved them. But he kept on moving. <sighs> I don't know who's quit you today. I don't know who's left you today. We're not going to fight against them. We're going to keep loving them. I don't know what relationship walked out on you, but I'm here to tell you you're going to love them, but you're going to keep on moving. Some people, you have to love them, but you've got to keep on moving. I'm sorry you quit me, but I got to keep on fighting. I got a wife to go get. I got some kids to go get. I got, some, I got my stuff to go get. I got some animals. I got to go get my destiny. You know what I've noticed about quitters, about people that give up? They all want you to give up with them because misery loves company. Hear me today. Somebody on the other end of this camera needs to tell, needs to tell hell today, hell. You need to tell the devil today. You need to tell your enemy today, I'm not giving up. 
In fact, I, I believe somebody needs to declare this today. It's not going to end this way. No, it's not. Not for me in my house. Not for me in this church. Not for me in my city. It's not going to end this, this way. Isaiah chapter 42. I'm almost there. Don't miss this. Isaiah chapter 42. God's people have been robbed and plundered. Everything has been taken away from them. I mean, I mean, just everything stolen. It's, 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 it's a remarkable story. They have been left with nothing, kind of like David is experiencing. And God shows up on the scene in Isaiah there, and he says this, Why isn't anybody saying, Restore? That's what God says. In other words, God is saying, Don't you know I can give it all back to you? hear that today? Why, why isn't anybody saying, I want my stuff back? Why isn't anybody saying, restore? Don't, don't you know we serve a God that can give it all back? Maybe I need to ask this question today. Has the enemy stolen anything from you the past eight months, the past year, the past, past five years, ten years? Come on, has any... Has anybody experienced any losses? Somebody needs to shout it out loud in your home and in your backyard and in that hospital room. You need to shout it out loud. I want my stuff back. I want my stuff back. I, I want my joy back. I want my strength back. I want my peace back. I want my relate. Has anybody lost any relationship? I want them back. I want my family back. Somebody needs to shout it out loud. I want my health back. I want my provision back. I want my, my favor, my favor back. Some of you need to be shouting, I want my passion for God back. I want my assignment back. I want my calling back. I want my dream back. I want my faith back. I want my expectation back. Come on, church. This is the time to fight for all your your losses. I think if we just start right here, I already said it, but I, got, I just feel the Spirit leading me into this. I think if there's one thing the church needs back, it's this right here. We got to start fighting for it. I want my joy back. Why do we need to get it back? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The reason why we're so weak is because we don't have the joy of God. We've got our frowns on our faces like the rest of the world. But I'm here to tell you, God is pouring out joy upon his people today. You can get your joy and your happiness back, even in your situation. Come on. It's time to fight. And our fight isn't like David's fight. It, wasn't, it was a flesh and blood fight. But the Bible is very clear about our fight. We fight the good fight of faith. What is our fight? To keep believing to keep trusting, to keep obeying. You just, you just have to refuse. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get tired. I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to trust God tomorrow. I'm going to trust God next week. And if you see me next year, I'll still be trusting and believing and expecting my God to do something. I close with this story. Fits right into this point. Luke chapter 7. In the city of Nain, there is a funeral funeral procession and a, a mother's son has died and the men of the city are carrying the son 
in a coffin to the graveyard. The mom is weeping and the people are mourning. And, and it's at that moment Jesus interrupts that, that funeral procession. procession. Hmm. Jesus comes up to that coffin, the Bible says, and he touches the coffin where the dead boy is. Hear me today. And what happens is the Bible says that boy who was in that coffin on the shoulders of those men set up. <laughs> he set up in that coffin. Jesus touches the coffin and life comes in back into that dead body and he sets up into that coffin. And in Luke chapter 7, the Bible says something that most of us read over. And the Bible says, and the boy began to speak. He began to speak. But, but the problem is, the Bible doesn't tell us what he says. I think he went to preaching. Now, 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 I can't prove this, but the truth is you can't disprove it. And in my study and going back into history and doing research, what's, what was interesting in their culture of that day, if this was your child, the only child that you had left and they died, then what would happen in that community, that tight-knit community, is they would take the clothes of that child and they would disperse them within that community. And they would give, they'd give the pants to somebody and they'd give the shirt to somebody and they'd give, they'd give the hat to somebody and the, the shoes and the, and the belt and they would disperse those, those items. Those clo the clothes were valuable in that day. They couldn't just go down to a Walmart. No. So what they would do if that was the last, the only child you had left from your home, they would take those, those clothes and they would disperse them within that, that community. And then here's what would happen in that community is, is those people would actually wear those clothes at the funeral. Wow. Now, now I can't prove this again, but, but you can't disprove it. Jesus comes and he interrupts that that. that funeral procession and he touches that coffin and the Bible says that boy set up in that coffin and begin to talk from an elevated position what was he doing I believe he was looking around what was he saying here's what I think he was saying hey those are my shoes hey those are my pants Hey, what are you doing wearing my shirt? Hey, that's my hat. You know what I think he said? I think he said, hey, I want my stuff back. Give me my stuff back. Somebody needs to shout it out loud today. I, I want my stuff back. I think that's what God's doing the last part of this year. I believe Jesus is coming and touching the dead places of your life and you're being resurrected back to a place and hey, it's not over. It doesn't have to end like this. I want my stuff. I want my stuff back. I want my dream back. I want my calling back. I want my family back. I want my purpose back. Hear it again. Jesus right now is touching you. He's touching every dead area in your life. And you're coming back to a place saying it does not have to end this way. In fact, it didn't for David. David encouraged himself. David inquired. David pursued and obeyed. And David refused to quit. And here's the end of the story in 1 Samuel 30. So David fought against them. Hear it. And David recovered 
everything that had been taken. Nothing was missing. Can we believe for that? That by the, at the end of all of this mess that we're experiencing, that nothing will be broken and nothing will be missing? Wow. Notice, it didn't end with devastation. It ended with resurrection or restoration and resurrection too. Somebody needs to hear this today. I'm done. I hope you got it. I hope you sense it. Come on, God is touching the dead places. I want you to hear it today. Here's what you need to hear. Come on, I'm coming into your home, into your car, into that situation, into that, into that pain, into that hurt, and I'm declaring it doesn't have to end this way. In Jesus' name, I declare it, Celebration Family, our best days are ahead of us. You have a better tomorrow, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the anointing and the presence of God that I sense going through these cameras. For those that are watching it right now, and even those that will watch this on demand, I thank you that it brings a shift into our hearts. God, we make adjustments today. God, we own what we need to own, and we judge ourselves so that we will not be judged. God, we're done being bitter. We're done blaming the whole world. God, we're going to be better. Now we've got a pathway to go. Now we've got an idea and some answers to act on. God, we're going to encourage ourselves in you. Hmm. We're going to encourage ourselves in you. God, we're going to ask you what, we're going to inquire of you what to do, and then we're going to do it. And then, God, we're going to refuse to quit. We will not quit on our God-given destinies. Come on, right in your home. And just change your position, your posture, wherever you're at. If you can, lift your hands. Just stand up. If you're in the car, just stay Keep your hands on the, the steering wheel. Keep driving, but out of your heart. Would you just begin to praise him? Come on, let God bring healing to you. Let God bring deliverance to you. Hear it one more time. It doesn't have to end this way. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with a message of Jesus. 